Hey folks, just for you, episode number 72, the Uticast, we are back, and this week we are talking with 119th District Assemblyman Anthony Brendisi in the house. Two politicians in the house, two weeks in a row. Very, very off-brand for the show, but that's okay as we are getting ready for today's election. It's November 8th, folks. Get out there and vote. We're going to be talking election. Uh, we're going to be talking some other topics as well, but really today, sadly, as much as we resent having to do it, we're going to be talking about the election. We'll try and make it easy on you, folks. You to cast. We're happy to have you. here november 8th taco tuesday yes i'm very excited taco yes. tuesday finally I, here do you remember when they said that thing by they i do mean like one of trump's like uh one of trump's minions who was like you know if the hillary wins and we don't build this wall and there's gonna be taco trucks on every corner like that's a bad thing yeah i know right is that a am complaint? i supposed to be deterred by taco <laughs> trucks on every corner yeah i know right bad news <laughs> <laughs> got my vote if you're putting taco trucks on every corner. Uh, yes, folks, that's right. Today, uh, November 8th, if you're listening to it on today, which is Tuesday, uh, it is election day. So if you have not gone out to vote already, get out there and vote. And if you have already voted, congratulations. Good job. Good job. Uh, so Mara will be here in just a minute to talk about some more election coverage. We'll cover that in a minute. And, of course, we have our interview this week, uh, Assemblyman from the 119th District, Anthony Brandisi. It's true. I told him he Look was. Look at you landing big fish political guests out here. It's weird, right? It's not bad. Very strange. It's Two not weeks. Bad. You know, the weirdest part about it, and he's a very, very nice guy, as was Joe Marino last mm-hmm. week. Another Pearl Jam guy. Another Pearl Jam guy. Two Pearl Jam guys. It's true. Um, I always. It's weird for me in general to just have a politician in my house, even if it's a local politician. True. It's still weird, no, right? That's I'm true. Not, I'm not used that's to that. That's true. Having... You listeners should have seen the 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 cleaning job. That mm-hmm. Sam did when he knew that Anthony Brindisi was coming over. Yes. Hiding hiding all of his stuff, <laughs> just moving his things around, cleaning up all of his dirt. Yeah, dirt. Yeah, we had to we actually steam cleaned the floors yesterday, thanks to Mr. Maiden Utica. That's true. Mm. So there are a couple things I did want to discuss. Uh, Hit me with it. Before we get into election coverage. Uh first off. I want to give a quick uh, golf clap shout out to the Chicago Cubs. Oh, scream it from the rooftops! Go How about Cubs, those go. Cubbies! Go! That was a that was a hell of a game seven. That was really really as somebody mm. who only tends to enjoy mm-hmm. baseball when my team is playing and also winning. Yes, um, very true. That was a great game. I really enjoyed it, and good for them that they got like a storybook out of it, as oh, opposed yeah. to just going out there and like stomping ten nothing. You know what I mean? I think it's actually better to win like that. Uh, yeah, Cubs win eight to six in ten innings. Uh, and again, you know, for anyone who's listened to For the Lads for, you know, hasn't been on for the last few weeks because of mm-hmm. obvious reasons. And, uh, even on the show, I've sort of talked about how I've been down on baseball, like in general, since maybe 2010, right. last few years, that was easily the most exciting, most engaging baseball game I've watched in maybe 15 years. That was really a fascinating game to watch. The narrative was great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly what baseball needed. Right? 
Like for, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. Like for a sport yeah. that notoriously gets kicked around for being like an old man's sport and being too slow and being whatever, that was exactly what they needed. Mm-hmm. A game that mattered, that had teams that were interesting, that had a result that was in question, where people were genuinely concerned about what was happening. I thought that was one of the best World Series I've seen in a long time. Shout out to the Cubbies. Shout out to my brother-in-law Randall out in Chicago who told yeah, me all those longtime Cubs fans, man. It's did you see the outdoor gatherings? Oh, I watched a ton of it. Yeah, uh, they said that the outdoor gathering when they came back to Chicago and the plane landed was the seventh largest outdoor gathering in American history. Interesting. <laughs> some some crazy amount of people. Like I'd like the, to see the other six on that list. I'm curious. Yeah. I have to look it up. Uh, and what else did we have that I wanted? Oh. Uh, and for you folks, there is another holiday going on by the time we get back next week, and that is Veterans Day taking place this Friday. Uh, so go out, you know, send a nice card to any of the veterans out there, support any family members of yours who've been in the military. Uh, the only reason I noticed it, really, though, is I was driving across the parkway today, and I saw all the flags on the parkway that they put up. That is, yeah, that's crazy. That's a, that's, well, they got thousands of flags out on the parkway. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Should have shot that made you a go vote video out there in the yes. fields. Um, I, I want to say this will be, this is my yearly Veterans Day tradition. I said it last year on the show. Uh, it was the first time I had the platform for it. Um, Veterans Day, the thing about Veterans Day is really important. On Veterans Day, you will see one billion Facebook statuses yes. of people like, thank you, veterans, thank you, veterans, thank you, veterans. And well, I don't begrudge anybody expressing that sentiment. And I'm certainly thankful to, you know, people who have served, people in my family and people I don't know because I could never do it. Um, instead of the time it takes to write a Facebook status, please instead write a letter to your local representatives and write a letter to your congressman because we're not taking care of veterans in this country. Veterans are not getting the care and the support that they need when they come back fighting trash wars that are built on lies out there. Mm. And they're not, they're going out there and they're risking life and limb and they're going through all this stuff that none of us ever have to do. And they come back home and they get no support. So Facebook statuses are cool, and put it up, and let sh- make sure all the veterans you know and in your life know how loved and supported they are and how much you appreciate it. But more than that, it doesn't take too much more time to contact your congressman and beg that our United States Congress does something more to help all these guys and women who go over and fight mm-hmm. overseas and everything like that. And I want to make a point there. You actually you brought up an interesting point. When people say the word Veterans Day or veteran, they tend to think of like old folks Right? Like, oh, he's a veteran. He fought in World War II or whatever. Mm-hmm. In reality, what you forget about is a lot of these veterans who are coming back are coming back from Afghanistan. Afghanistan and Iraq. Iraq. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, these are not like older folks who live their lives. These are no. people who gave their life. There's a, lot gave, of, yeah. there's a lot of young people out there who are in a tough time, and they have a really tough time transitioning. It's weird to come yeah. back from that world. How you turn and, it And, you know, people come back with scars, both physical, emotional, and mental, yeah. and... It is up to us as a country to take care of these people. I mean, if we can, you know, if, if we're supposed to be the greatest country in the world, then we owe it to the people who serve for this country, protect this country, to take care of them when they come home. And it's disgusting the way that Congress has treated veterans mm-hmm. and how much they get brushed aside when they come home. And this has been a tradition. It was the same thing with, you know, returning Vietnam veterans and the like and things like that. But we've got to do something. So if you're going to write a Facebook status tomorrow, take some time, write your congressman as well, please, and do it every year until we fix the problem. Mm, mm. Very stirring. It's going to be a tough week with politics and impressive stuff and, and dense stuff we're going to be talking about. I think that's a fair way to set the table. Mars a little coming segue, up. get Mars in segue. here, the mood a little bit. Yeah, let's try. Uh, Mars coming in. We're going to do the election coverage. Get ready, folks. Here it comes. Last time. One more time, and it's over. <laughs>
Uh, Mara, you're back. Uh, Mara, I have to say, I was sadly, uh, I was already gone from headquarters after uh, when they went to film our Go Boat Utica video. Yes. But you were in it. Yes, I was in it. I was in it for, <laughs> yep, a few times. <laughs> what was your, uh, what was your, what was that like for you? How did you feel about doing that? Um, uh, they, it was a lot more, it was a lot more professionally set up than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like a lot. I honestly thought it was going to be a lot more laid back than it was, but it was pretty cool how everything was, she was set super, up. But I she was super nervous. I was nervous. In there. She was. You should have seen her. <laughs> we, we've, we've prepared her for a very uh, low maintenance kind of sitting here at the Uticast, yeah. but the Maiden Utica productions are not quite as bare bones put together as yeah, the no, video is also legit. like with video you've got to be you know you're editing a whole second thing together and we don't really edit besides put the segments together like we yeah. don't cut in and out when we're talking no. so there's not as much to be done there but yeah it was it was no joke that set up out there yeah it was pretty sweet hmm. alright guys let's uh Let's talk about that video for a second. Uh, the, so there were two parts of this video that were released. Um, the part that we were in, part one, and of course uh, part two, which came out a few days later. You can check out both videos at MadeInUtica.com, uh, on Twitter, on Uticast, Twitter. We've been posting it all over the place. It's, it's all over there on social media. And for the most part, people have responded relatively well. Relatively. Uh-huh. Uh, I did, we did get one person who just responded with the word scumbag. Like a, <laughs> that's a good Did friend, we? yeah, good friend of the pod, Kate Riley, said that when she shared it, someone just responded to the video, not even like with any other detail, just said "scumbag." That's Maybe. all. Are we all one scumbag, or is there... I'd like know. to see who it is. <laughs> wow! Like who said it? I'm, no, I'd like to see yeah. who said it. Like, because uh, like so. we've definitely got like some some big you know troll fans out there who I expect to say something oh, anytime yeah. we do something mm-hmm. positive. But I'm just interesting, like, if somebody's got a personal vendetta with, like, one person in the video, That's who's the scumbag? Yeah, we want to know. She just responded, no scumbag. Uh, no scumbag. You're the scumbag. So, <laughs> the re- I'm, glad, I'm actually glad this this happened to a certain extent, though, because it, uh, it highlights an election which, uh, and I'm going to quote uh, Ringer uh, Editor-in-Chief Brian Curtis when he said, the ugliest election of our lifetime. Yeah. And I, I tell the kids at school this. Every day, I'm like, maybe, and they they know it's bad. Like, the, even the kids at school, even the high school kids who can't vote are like, this is a, a gross election, and I feel gross about it, as as everyone seems to. Um, but what I keep telling them is, not only is it gross now, but I feel like in 20 years and 30 years, when they go back and write the history books about this, it's already going to be considered the worst election of all time, right? Yeah, I I. I hope that it doesn't get worse than this. Mm. I don't even know how it would. I don't, yeah, I don't, like, I don't know annoying. what could happen to get any worse. And I think, and, and a lot of it ties into what we were just talking about. It's both, and it's, again, it's another Brian Curtis quote, both the erosion of mainstream media and the unprecedented centralization of online news consumption. Yeah. Right? And that really, you cannot look at this election in any other way without tying it directly to the way that it has been presented to us in the news. This yeah. is... This is probably the first election I can think of where the internet has really been the primary source of uh, consumption for this. Yeah. You, you, you not agree? I don't know. No, I don't. No, not. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying and you're right with what you're saying. Um, I would argue that as far as uh, 2008 was really the first election where you saw the internet play a huge part. I mean, mm. Obama will go down in history for his, you know, his grassroots organization on, you know, social and digital spaces and stuff like that. But you are right in the fact that now, more than any election we've ever had, most people do consume their media online. And the problem with it is the way things are now with, you know, the breadth of the whole wide span of options that we have available to consume media and things like that, 
it's so easy to just find an echo chamber and only read and listen to and look at stuff that confirms your worldview. Yeah. And I think that's what you see. So, I mean, if you're, the t- if you're the type of person who's like, oh, Hillary should be in prison, it's really, really easy to get on the internet and find a ton of articles that look very legit, whether they are or they aren't, no matter where they come from, mm-hmm. that confirm that for you. And the more you read, mm-hmm. you're like, well, I've read nine articles. She must belong in jail. And I think, um, especially with older generations who grew up being able to trust the media as it was presented to them, mm-hmm. I think they're having a tough time realizing and adjusting to the fact that it's more important than ever to vet your sources because you can't mm-hmm. trust these people to just tell you the straight truth anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, that's a great. No, it's a, it's an absolutely spot on point. Yeah. Uh, one of the. All right. So let's let's think about this. For, let's think about this for a second. Okay. So Hillary Clinton today. The FBI comes out and says that they are not going – they've done the email thing and it's fine. They've already looked through it. Nothing new to find out. Mm-hmm. To the uninformed voter, the only things that matter, though, are the words Clinton and the words email. Right. That's the narrative. It doesn't matter that the FBI has already investigated this twice and there'll probably be another further e- uh, investi- oh, yeah. email investigation from both sides of the party if she gets elected. It doesn't matter what comes from this. The The narrative now in everyone's head, because everyone's talking about emails and Clinton, is that Clinton has some evil, disgusting email server and she's ruining the world mm-hmm. with it. That's the narrative, regardless of the fact that it's blatantly not true. Well, and you'll notice, like, if you go on, like, then that person will tune into... I remember when that happened, they were like, we found some extra emails, we're going to have to give them a double check. And uh, James Comey released that letter to Congress, which he shouldn't have done, and that kind of looks bad for him, the way that he did it. He was in a tough spot, I think. But the way he did it, there's going to be some repercussions for him probably. Um, but you'll so you'll see that. So they come out like they're reinvestigating, and then so if you turn on, say you're somebody who consumes media on like Fox News, which we know a lot of older conservative you know people do because that's who they pander to. So they'll get on there, and you'll have the Sean Hannity's of the world being like, Hillary has been, she's under investigation. They've reopened the criminal investigation. There's all these emails. She's going to be indicted, and they yell and scream this stuff as opinion. But because of the time that it's on the set that that person's sitting at and the channel that they're on, people are like, oh my gosh, this must be real. And then by the time it comes around that nothing happened, they'll fire off a tweet quietly like, oh, you know, we jumped the gun a little bit on this, sorry. But the damage has already been done because you've already gone out there and screamed at everybody's racist uncle that Hillary is breaking the law and belongs in jail and stuff. And it just, it's so easy to confirm these worldviews that I really don't know how you combat it. Mm -mm. You don't. You you don't, right. Well, here's the other one too. What gets me, I think is there's no checks and balances, right? You can spout off some some nonsense, and if people agree with your nonsense, regardless of whether or not it's true, they'll purport it like it's like it's fact. This is a this is from BuzzFeed. So again, huh. take this for what it is, right? But this is a BuzzFeed article. As a guy who knocks BuzzFeed all the time, BuzzFeed actually has a really really mm. pretty decent investigative journalism branch mm. that does a good job and write quality stuff. Mm. BuzzFeed in general is what's wrong with the internet, but their investigative journalism arm is pretty impressive. Mm. Well, they did an investigative report into a lot of the false Trump news and and narrative that's been pushed on the internet. Oh, cool. Uh, Much of the fake news about Trump is actually produced by uh, Macedonian teenagers who are doing it not because they support Trump or because they want to see the downfall of America, but it's to generate hits for internet traffic. Oh. And the best way to, this is a direct quote, the best way to generate traffic is to get political stories spread on Facebook. And the best way to generate shares is to publish something sensational and false containing 
uh, uh, pertaining to Trump supporters. Yeah. You, it's it's black and white. It's right in our face in general. Not just this BuzzFeed article. In general, the more times you click on that article about Trump, the more ad money is going somewhere to someone. That's the that's the benefit. That's why you lie. That's why you write some sensationalist article like Hillary's going to jail because she's the devil, or Donald Trump is building a wall to keep Mexicans out, and why it's the good idea. Right? Those articles get written so you click. Either to get disgusted by what you read, which if you're on one side, you will, or to be like, F and A, man, yeah, he's got it, right? Either way, you want to see it. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't, because the only thing is that you clicked on it. That's the only thing that matters. And like, try explaining that to somebody who's 62 years old. Yeah. And that's not not a knock on older folks, but like, try explaining that situation and all the, the prerequisite concepts that go into it to make them understand it. You can't do that. No. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, it's. I don't know. No answers. Mark, you voted in the last election. Was it the first time you voted in an election? Yes. Were you you were were you behind? You for sure voted Romney, right? Yeah, you were Romney. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't you tell it's written all over my face? Um, <laughs> no, I did not. But did, you didn't. But I'm going to assume you voted for Obama then. Yes. Did you have any reservations about Obama as a candidate, or like at the time? Um. Honestly, no. I'm nowhere near. Well, I was nowhere near as invested in mm. that election as I am this one, but. Um, I did stand behind him pretty much 100%, mm-hmm. mainly because I didn't stand behind Romney 100%, which is exactly mm-hmm. how I feel about this election. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Now, Kev, your first, we, you and I both have, uh, voted in our first election in 2004. Yeah, Kerry versus Bush. Kerry versus Bush. And I voted for John Kerry because at the time, in 2004, I was just voting party lines. I didn't know anything better than just Democrats, Republicans, I'm voting for the Democrat. The Democrat is John Kerry, mm-hmm. thus I vote for John Kerry. That was the first time I ever voted for a candidate who lost. First time I voted, first time the candidate lost, mm-hmm. right? Um, with Obama, it never really seemed like he wasn't going to win in either election. Right. He was such a force of personality, and as a young as a young man, young American man who was very captivated and fascinated by what he had to say and very drawn into it, you could look to Obama at those times and say, yes, this person speaks for me. Mm-hmm. I want this person to represent me. Certainly, and I, I, I think I know the answer, obviously, already. Is there anybody in this election who speaks to you as a 23-year-old girl? No. 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 Even I, Hillary? No, not even Hillary, really. I, there's, I, I don't agree on mm. everything that she speaks for, but the things, that, the, the things that Trump has said about all women, including the women in his family, including his daughters and his wife... I, I I just I can't I can't see past any of it, mm-hmm. and th- there's nothing I can do about it. I just can't see past any of it. And mm-hmm. I've heard numerous men say, "Oh well, it's, you've heard your you've heard your brother say that, or you've heard your friends say that." And it's like, okay, um, first off, ninety percent of the time, to- the time, the things that he said, no, I haven't heard that because right. those th- those things are repulsive. And on top of that, even if I did hear someone else say that, I wouldn't vote for him either. Mm. So it's like you're just proving my point. It doesn't matter if someone else said it. it; doesn't mean it's not wrong. Like I don't know. I had an interesting moment today where one of the kids in my classroom, who can't vote, mind you, because they're all under the age of eighteen, uh, she said, "I'd vote for Trump. At least, at least he hasn't made a like a mistake yet. At least he hasn't been a failure already. Whereas Hillary's a failure." And yes. one of the other kids in the classes looked at her and said, "But 
what about all like the sexual like assault and like all, all the, the sexual yeah. assault, the four bankruptcies, yeah. all the people who have sued yeah. him for not paying? Ah, right. Go, but, go, but, go. but 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 here's the, but yes yes you're totally right. But here's the key. She said, "Well, it's not he. It's not like he would ever do that to me. He's not doing that to me." And I thought that was actually a, the most poignant kind of answer I could have expected. I'm like, huh? Do you? Do you not understand the concept that it doesn't just have to affect you? That's, or do you, that's sad. Is that how you, but is that how you that's, justify yes, it? Yes, uh, 100%. That's the whole mindset of think about how many Trumps, people who are Trump supporters, people who are conservatives in general, who have that, like, screw you, I've got mine attitude. Like, these mm. people are like, well, that's not my problem. Well, I don't want, like, even the people who are like, oh, my hard-earned tax dollars, why should I have to pay taxes to help mm. out these poor people? That and the same people who will call themselves Christians after that, which, like, spoiler alert, you're not. Mm. Um, but like, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like, these people are just—they're—they're they're yeah. very much like I've got mine, so I don't care if you have yours. Mm. Like, you know, oh, we said that about women, but I'm not a woman. I'm not a woman, so who gives a shit? You know what I mean? I hate that. And it's—it's yeah. it's insane to me it. that that people can lack that basic empathy. Like, even if the only thing that had come out about him was like his comments about some of the women and everything else, he was some major like policy guy mm. and everything was perfect that he was saying. It would still be like, he would say it, and look at, I am a firm believer that there's probably a lot more people than would ever admit to it who talk like that, who have talked like that. Mm. I get it, but like this guy, when he said it, he was in like his 50s. Yeah. That's like when you're like 16, 17, and like mouthing off, and like you say some stuff like that, then you look back, you get older, you're supposed to be like, oh my god, what a dumb kid I was who talks like that. Mm. But like this guy's not getting any better. They're like, oh, well that tape was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, he was 60. Mm. Well, have you seen that whole thing that's going around where people are saying, you know, if if you had heard Obama while he was running saying, oh, you know, grab her by the whatever, and mm-hmm. s- saying all of the, having all these accusations about raping a 13-year-old or sexual mm-hmm. assault, anything, anything like that, you really think people would be standing behind him as strongly as they do now? Because I think about it for a second, and I immediately say, oh, absolutely not. Because well, Obama would not have gotten away with doing those things the way that Trump has been allowed no. to brush the, them off. No, so why is it just him? The, that's that's a, a why good is question. It okay the mental, the mental gymnastics else. required that a person has to do to try to claim that the majority of Trump's support doesn't have anything to do with racism mm. is like I it blows my mind that people will make that will can like say that and like, oh it's not it's not a race, it's not about race, it's not about you know, when I say racism I mean, you know, Every different minority, women, gays, everything like that. But, I mean, to, to say that that's not the driving force behind the majority of this support is just, it's intellectually dishonest. Yeah. And nobody can make, and nobody who has a, a half a brain in their head and can be honest with themselves can make that argument that it's anything other than a lot of people who are afraid of the changing demographics and the way that the world seems to be shifting mm-hmm. under their feet and everything is getting so different and it's scary and like look it's scary to get older and to see things change and realize that you're going to die one day but like by that same token don't cling to these last bastions of racism people are out here mm-hmm. I mean you see Trump supporters out here you see people big people senators who are endorsing him who are talking like it's the 1960s like it's disgusting <laughs> Um, I can't wait till this election is over. Uh, you know, and oh. and I will say before before oh. the inevitable comments that are like, oh, a bunch of Hillary shills, bunch come of shilleries. Come if you got um, comments, come no, on really the podcast. Not, and I'm really to not me. shielding. I just. Um, I hate them. Hillary's well, the worst. She's so beatable. You could have run almost <laughs> anybody. You could have run. <laughs> Lion Ted Cruz might have been able right. to beat her. So Rubio could have beat her. 
Paul Ryan, we should have ran Joe Biden. Joe Biden should be the president. Well, Joe Biden would... Bernie could be the president. Joe too, Biden but. would run through this election yeah. like a champion. If Joe he Biden was, could if declare run. tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if Joe Biden came out at 8 o'clock today on Tuesday morning and said, you know what, I just thought of, I think I'm going to run for president, he would win in a landslide. Yeah, that's uh, scary. All right, so let me ask you a question. I'm glad you brought this up, Kev. So you have Trump and Hillary and the other two who we're going to get to in a minute. Um, I'm going to give you a candidate to run against those two, and you're going to tell me if today they would win. Okay. okay? Cool. Yeah. Start off with an easy one. Bill Clinton. If, if he ran against who? Hillary and Trump. Oh, he marched yeah, to the top. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Easy, right? Yeah. Doesn't matter that he had all those like all that scandal. Like that, that scandal's irrelevant compared to the trouble that Hillary. What scandal. And, People loved that shit. Anyways. What scandal? Like, he okay. lied no, about his affair with the national panel. I answers, get it. Answers like, my question for me. We're drone striking civilians. So what about what about third term Obama? If Obama said, oh I'm going to change yes. the elections and come back for a third term. Did you know that? I read this oh today. Um, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Barack Obama's <laughs> approval rating right now is on par with, like, it's over where Reagan's was, and Reagan was at this point mm. getting ready to leave office. I think history will be very kind to Obama. Yes. And with him going out, uh, it man, you go out and watch him talk, and it's nice to see somebody be able to be such a class act. And he always handled himself with class yeah. and grace. Whether you agree with them or disagree with them, it's, that's what the leader of the country should look like. How yeah. about uh, How about Al Gore? No. What? No. Who? Al Gore. Be who? Maybe like back then. Yeah. When he first mm-hmm. yeah. ran, but He's now, shot now. He, poor thing. He's too like, dusty. He's people garbage. Hate, like, I okay. I don't even. All right. I kind of like him. Like I don't. People are so mean when it comes to Al Gore. I almost feel. You're terrible. an Al Gore mark. I had. Not, I didn't even know Al Gore marks existed. <laughs> I know. That's Talk I about it. Oh man. Okay, so Gore's got Mars. How about how about fictionally corrupt uh, House of Cards president Frank Underwood? Oh, I don't. I'm not convinced that he's not running. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm not convinced that the fictional character that Kevin Spacey plays on Netflix isn't running the way things are going. And last but not least, is the stink of his failures too much? Would George W. Bush? Would he beat any of these two? No. I'd rather vote for a book of cheese. He'd split the conservative vote, and Hillary would walk. Okay. Guys, I have two uh, less depressing stories before we get to the third-party candidates, if you want. Beautiful. Okay, so a uh, Canadian newspaper... Is there something less depressing than those uh, third-party well, candidates? Uh, <laughs> not yet. Uh, Canadian newspaper, the Globe and Mail, had a great headline this week. Uh, Dear America, please don't vote for Donald Trump. And basically the idea is, you know, we had Rob Ford, right? And Rob Ford, we used to call him the Canadian Donald Trump. Except the difference is that Rob Ford was a mayor and didn't really have any power, right? right? It was funny to laugh at, oh, look at Rob Ford doing coke at the Bills game and getting drunk and falling over. Ha ha, mayor of Toronto. He didn't really have the world-changing power that an idiot like Trump would have if he got into office. And one of the things that really, really got me about this is a direct quote in the article was, nobody has to make you great again. You're already great, America. <laughs> <laughs> which oh is God. which is such a great Thank sentiment. You, for God's sakes. <laughs> and every like most of the people that I've met that support Trump, they're supporting Trump because they're like, I love America, and Trump is about America. I'm like, no, no, no. He's he's literally on all of your hats. It says <laughs> that he doesn't think it's great already. What are you talking <laughs> did, about? Comedy Central, uh, the Daily Show, Trevor Noah did a really uh, cool video segment where they went to a Trump rally. And they were asking people, uh, they were like, you know, okay, so you make America great again. When was America last great? And it was one of those, like, gotcha things I always do. And people were like, well, you know, like the 1950s. They're like, oh, so like when segregation was a thing. <laughs> yeah. And people were like, well, 
Or, I mean, like, yeah, early, in the early yeah. 1900s, so before women could vote, that was the last time America was great. Sucks. It was really good. Um, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Uh, and then, of course, uh, they also started the social media campaign, uh, hashtag tell America it's great. Like, go on Twitter and just tell America it's great, guys. Just tell, just tell it's great. So thanks, Canada. America's for... hat coming in big again. <laughs> I love it. Um, Don't you think it says something that every, like all these countries and all these major world leaders and all these people everywhere are all, like, breaking history with endorsing Hillary Clinton yeah. like yeah. the fact that foreign leaders are weighing in and being like oh my god are you fucking kidding me <laughs> you can't have Donald Trump yeah. like that doesn't say something to you is every, do do these people think that everybody's in the conspiracy yeah. they think, think that we have meetings they i think what what half of america god, really your heart let it out what, what half of america really needs is a picture of vladimir putin wearing a trump hat before they say no it's too like that's the only thing i think could possibly happen is a shirtless Vladimir Putin on horseback Love wearing him. a Donald Trump hat. And even that might actually support his base. I don't even know. I can't tell anymore. Well. Put down flags. Guys, we have not talked about third-party candidates uh, or as uh, as the Houston Free Press so eloquently put them, the electoral equivalent of uh, sending thoughts and prayers. <laughs> um, we haven't really talked about third-party candidates at all during this election. The two who are getting the most traction uh, are Gary Johnson, Libertarian, and Jill Stein. Dr. Jill Stein, although she has weird feelings about immunization for a doctor, but that's a psycho. <laughs> uh, representing the Green Party. And look, I know that there is a lot of people out there, especially young people, who have been out there saying, this is the year I'm going to vote for a third party. And I think that's great. I think it's great to vote for a third party. I think there probably should be more viable parties in America. But this is a situation where just because the two candidates we have are shit doesn't mean the other two aren't any less shit. Like, in, <laughs> right, I mean, just because these two we got are real bad, it doesn't mean that the other two are all that great. Like, and I don't know, do you have any opinions on Gary Johnson? Let's start with Gary Johnson. For Gary a Johnson is a really nice guy. I've known him for a long time. I've gone to see him play acoustic guitar in Sylvan Beach many, many, many times. <laughs> yes, he's quick. Um, he's a good, he's a good friend to me. He's always been supportive. I like him, but I just don't know if he's caught out for the presidency. <laughs> Gary Johnson, great guy. Maybe not going to be the president. All right, I'm hoping that somebody got that one out there. I think that might just be a first. Go see just... if you see Gary Johnson booked in Sylvan Beach. Go see him; he's an amazing musician, and very entertaining. That's a different uh, Gary Johnson. As for GJ Solo, as for GJ Solo, shout out. As for Libertarian candidate Gary Johnson, uh, one, I don't trust a guy who runs for president while wearing jeans. It's weird. It's weird. I saw him on the campaign trail with like a sport coat and a dress shirt and jeans. It's a what, weird look. What kind of wash though? Like dark wash. Dark wash. Would you trust? Would you trust a presidential candidate who's got like good jeans on or, yes. dad, ge or dad jeans? Which dad one is more jeans. trustworthy to be the president? Good jeans. Good jeans. No, nah, yeah, I think you got. I feel like I wear good jeans and like so I might be a scoundrel. I don't know if I should be the president. I don't like, feel like anyone wearing dad. If someone's wearing dad jeans, they're probably good at fixing your lawnmower. Probably good at helping you out with some stuff around the house. I don't know if they're good at, like... Uh, so you think a candidate in stylish jeans would be more likely to care about, like, student loan relief and stuff like that? Because they get it. They know <laughs> the young understand. people. Yeah, yeah, they get it. They get it. Okay, all right. Um, no, Gary Johnson seems like an okay guy, but he's also... I think Gary Johnson is a bit too stoned to have an actual thought in his brain because every time, every time I hear him get, like, asked a question, like, oh, do you support, uh, you know, what do you feel about climate change? And he's like, oh, yeah, climate change, we'll deal with that. Oh, it's like, uh, Gary, do you have anything else besides that? And no, I think climate change is something we'll work on. It's like, Gary, you have to have 
Gee, that points like someone else. Yeah, um, and also not for nothing. Uh, for as much as I appreciate like people out there doing their thing, and Gary seems like he supports a lot of the things I do support. He also opposes minimum wage, and he also wants to cut the education, commerce, and housing and urban development. Uh, departments of the government. So that's something you see with these third party guys. Yeah, I don't know what he said, um, they sort of put him on the spot. Like, what would you cut? And he made it up as he went on. But like, I feel like third party candidates are—they've got a lot of big picture ideas that sound really good. Like when they go out and say stuff like, mm. "Oh, we're going to save all this money by cutting down the government." Then you ask for specifics, and you realize these people don't have an. And it's not a knock no. on them; they would have no reason to. But these people mm. don't have an intimate understanding of the complexities that go into such a large governorship position. Mm. Mm. Uh, and actually, that ties in a little bit with the other candidate, uh, Dr. Jill Stein of the Green Party, or as I've been referring to her, America's loony aunt. Doesn't she seem like that loony aunt you <laughs> yeah. see? Like, yeah. In a yeah. America, America's aunt that followed Fisher on just a little bit too much mm. in college. Mm. And she's great, but like, she still's probably got like a connect. And yeah, she's just out she, there. she does. Um, she sort of applies this strategic vagueness that Gary Johnson applies so eloquently, mm -hmm. and they're both very good at it. They both seem like they have nice ideas, like canceling student debt, right? That's her big MO. We should cancel all student debt. Except if you ask her any questions about it, she doesn't really seem to have much concept for how to do it or what kind of authority she would have as the president as in zero authority to tell anyone what they would have to do about it, And that's right? what so, I mean. They just come out like, well, yeah, we're going to get rid of student debt. Well, how? Well, we're going to do it. Oh, okay. It, she... They, thanks for coming. You can't just... <laughs> you can't, as president, say, we're going to go to the Department of, you know, Finance and print new money. Unless you're Trump. <laughs> oh, unless you're Trump, right? So, again, it's not that we don't talk about the third-party candidates on this show. It's just that I don't feel like they're not viable they're not viable i, I don't know i'm sorry not viable. i know that people want them to be viable because hillary and donald are so terrible but i don't think that either of these two are viable as well i don't think any four all any of them are viable honestly we're screwed. no we're definitely screwed yeah um and at the end of the day uh i'm gonna go into that booth and i'm gonna vote for hillary because i think at the very least i'll probably be screwed the least amount at the end of the day. I might be able to sleep at night. Uh, maybe. Water. I'll feel better sleeping at night. I can, yeah. I can punt for another four years. On yeah, reform. punt. I yeah. can punt for four years, but I'm not trying to get sacked in the end. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair point. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Also, uh, some people have said, some people have expressed to me, they're like, you know what, man, I'm just not going to vote. I can't, oh, I can't. I can't vote for either of these people. I can't. People, people that I respect, people that I have a lot of respect for, have come to me and be like, I'm not going to vote in good conscience. I can't vote for either of these people. I think it's important to have to make a choice. And I'm not saying everybody has to vote, but this is one of those situations where when history looks back on it, people are going to ask you, what did you do? Right. What did you do when this was going on? And I would like to be able to say that I made that I made the choice. <laughs> I made a decision. And not for anything everybody else. Everybody should vote. Even and if not, you don't vote president, vote for everybody else. That's what I was going to say. Even if you don't care for this Bad. presidential election, make sure you go vote for your local election. However, there is one election you cannot vote for, and that is the 119th District Assembly, because uh, our guest for this week's episode, Anthony Brindisi, is running unopposed. Although I did offer a run against him just for funsies, just to see what was what. Uh, he declined. Are you going to make the 119th district great again? No. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, I don't have to make it great again. Doing it's already work. great, guys. There you go. Uh, so let's go to our interview with uh, 119th district assemblyman Anthony Brindisi. It was a real honor to have him here in the studio, and we're very glad that he joined us. We'll be right back.
Absolutely. Yeah, it's all this is the magic of podcasting. The magic this of podcasting. This is the magic of podcasting that nobody sees. Uh, and I want to start with two things needed to bring up to you. Yes. Uh, when your chief of staff, Caitlin, called me about this, uh, and mind you, we go back a long way. We I heard. Yeah, I heard. Back. Um, I need to. St- I need to. I need to start with this. Last year, when I had just started doing the show. We had, Caitlin, we had sort of talked briefly yeah. about, about having you on the show. Right. Um, and for whatever reason, I got busy. Uh, things got busy. It didn't happen at the time. Yeah. I went to do an interview for a, a different show around here called On the Couch. I got interviewed for the show. And they said, who's coming up on the show? And I just threw out a bunch of names because I didn't. we didn't really have it planned out at the time. I knew a few people. And I was like, oh, you know... Ryan Miller, he's always on, and Phil Farda, and I'm like, I think, uh, I think Assemblyman Disney's coming on. And I, started, I just sort of threw it on really casually. This is like a long time ago, and that sort of became this little like white whale in my head. I'm like, man, I feel like a jerk now that I just threw that name. Out. <laughs> uh, but lo and behold, you are actually here, one hundred nineteenth district assemblyman. Absolutely, uh, Anthony Berdisi. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here, uh, especially on today, which is uh, election day across the country. Good day to be here. And I appreciate you coming to the actual, my home. It's very rare we get politicians who want to step into my house. I like to make life easy, so I'm here for you. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, uh, I do need to mention, uh, last week's episode, we had uh, Fourth Ward Councilman... Uh, Never heard of him. Joe Marino. <laughs> really? Never heard of him. Because he had implied uh, that you were friendly, and he wanted me to give you a hard time about him being on the show first, would you like to respond to Joe? Well, see, this is what happened. This is where the chief, my chief of staff comes into play. So she happened to see somewhere, maybe on Twitter, that Joe was promoting his being on the show. So I think she, maybe she reached out to you and said, how dare you have Joe on first before having yeah. my boss on? Yeah. So, But, you know, as it usually goes, I'm following Joe around cleaning up after his mess. So. Excellent, excellent, wonderful. Um, and to be honest, uh, you know, and I'll be, I'll be, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Over the years on this show, over the year and a half we've done the show, we have tried, for the most part, to steer clear of politics, Good idea. just in general, uh, and not because we're not interested in it, because it tends to be divisive sure. to certain amounts of the listeners, but because of this election and uh, just the way things have worked out, it's we've done a lot of politics lately, and people seem to be really responding to it. Right. And I wonder if that's just the time of the year. Or if that's people are more interested than I thought, you know. I, I think for and being from this area and growing up here all my life, I think I've seen a lot of people who have taken a lot of interest in some of the things that are happening in the community. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a, a general interest more in what's happening with public service locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it's certainly heightened because of what's going on in the election. And mm-hmm. who knows? Come Wednesday, we may all not care about politics again. So <laughs> um, can I call you Anthony? You can call know, me Anthony. Absolutely. I don't know what the proper. Yeah, yeah, no, Anthony's okay. perfect. Uh, so Anthony, can you um, let's start. With your story, though, in the beginning, we're going to go way back. Were you, I, I'm going to assume, based on the information I've done for my uh, journalism, because mm-hmm. I'm a professional journalist, yes, uh, <laughs> that you were born somewhere in this region. Yes. Right? You were Utica born? Or? I was born in Utica, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, where did you where'd you go to high school? You're a Proctor guy. I unfortunately I'm a Notre Dame guy. So Notre Dame guy. And it's, okay. it's funny because I'm such a big public education advocate now. I do a lot of mm. fighting for school funding for mm. public schools and having a history with uh, Catholic school education. So very nice. But I, I born and raised in Utica. Uh, went to uh, local high schools. Went to Notre Dame. Oh, wonderful. Uh, went to MBCC after that. Mm. Went to uh, transferred over to Siena College and then mm. stayed in the Albany area for law school as well. And came back after that. Mm. Uh, I do want to get into the Siena thing in just a second, but uh, what was uh, I'm curious to know what you were like in high school. Like, certainly, I'm not sure that any high school kid has um, 
political aspirations necessarily, maybe interested in politics. But what right. was like your mo in high school when you were growing up? Like, what did you have in your future in mind then? I absolutely had no idea at that no point clue. in time. No interest mm-hmm. in politics. I think my 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 senior quote was after the Beatles' "Nothing Man" song. I didn't have a point of view on anything. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know where I was going at yeah. that point in life, and just kind of just mm. was drifting along, and and mm. you know didn't really know what path I was going to follow at that mm. point in time. So Notre Dame, uh, you left Notre Dame. You went to college in Siena first. Yes. Uh, out in Albany, that makes you a saint. Yes. Out in Loud. <laughs> yes. Uh, I have to ask. Um, Nowhere, man. I've said nothing, man. I'm thinking of Pearl, I'm thinking of Pearl Jam. <laughs> that's, that's um, so you're a bachelor uh, history, bachelor's degree in history from Siena. Yes. I'm also a history major. I was a okay. Hunter College. I'm curious, what was your field of interest, like primarily history? American history? It was American history, European history. It was, at that point in time, I started to develop more of an interest. And I think at that point I was going to go into teaching. So mm-hmm. I was actually yeah. a history major and a minor in education. My plan was I was going to graduate, go into education, become a teacher. My family's been in the law business for a long time, sure. and I kind of shunned away with that, didn't want to go that pathway. Mm. But as I got further along in college, I kind of drifted towards the legal field. Yeah, uh, well, I do want to get into that in just a second. But before we do, I want to get, uh, I want to stick with the Siena thing. What was, uh, what was that time like for you? I know uh, I, I work for a uh, college around here, and we take a lot of high school kids on college trips. Uh, what did you feel like was the thing you you most got out of, like your time in college in Siena? I mean, it was uh, certainly an interesting time. I had a lot of friends in Siena, and um, I think the thing for me is because I was a transfer student, I probably didn't get as involved in a lot of the different things happening in, in, in the college life community mm-hmm. as maybe yeah. someone who had started there when they were freshmen. Sure. So a lot of my friends ended up being freshmen and sophomores as opposed to I came in as a junior as some mm-hmm. of the upperclassmen. So um, I, I kind of started the whole college experience, I guess, as a junior yeah. <laughs> instead of as a freshman. But uh, it was a good it was a good uh, good time, good education, and certainly enjoyed my time at Siena. So 2004, you went to Albany Law School. Yes. Uh, at this point in time, had you sort of come back around on the idea of working for the law firm, the family firm? I did. I did. I think at that point, I I wasn't planning on coming back to work for the family firm. I I knew I wanted to go into law. I started to develop some interest in public service and politics at that point in time. It was around the 2000, when I first got somewhat interested in politics, it was around the Mm. 2000 uh, election. It was Bush v. Gore, Mm, the very contested contested election, and that really started to get my interest in in politics. And Mm. I guess whatever, some people get bit by the political bug. I got Mm. bit by it. And as that time, you know, as we progressed along through college and then law school, I thought, well, I'll go to law school. Maybe I'll go back to work for the family firm. Maybe I'll stay out in Albany and do some work there. Or maybe at some point this will be a good baseline if I do ever want to run for office. Now, you were working for the law firm for a while, right? Absolutely. I still do. I still do, Yeah. yeah. What's that like work with the fam? I'm curious. Uh, it's interesting, you know. I guess uh, they they have to love you and accept you. Um, mm. But it's 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 nice working for a family firm as opposed to. I had a lot of friends in law school. I obviously, went to New York City, other places, mm. working in uh, on Wall Street or whatever. And it's very difficult if you're going to start a family, raise a family. It's hard to do that in some of the, some of the faster paced communities. Whereas being in a local law firm, you have your sister there, right. you have your father there. If there's a doctor appointment or a mm. family thing, you have to attend to the families there to take care of things. Uh, the Brindisi Law Firm in general was well known. You had this, you guys had a great jingle, great jingle. <laughs> what I'm always curious about with law firm jingles in general is like, is there just like a coalition of people? Is there like one guy you call? He's like the law firm jingle Basically, guy. Basically, yes. Really? That's amazing. <laughs> that might be his website, the law firm jingle guy. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, exactly. I remember sitting there, the people's lawyer, and just sitting in a room. He's playing all these different songs for us and going through them, and, and he came back. It's like he went behind the curtain for about 10 minutes and came back and said, I have it. Here's your jingle. Da 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 da. And then he came back and we said, 
said, yeah, that'll work for us. So <laughs> <laughs> that's it's funny how like it's funny. I, I had asked a lot of people that, because I knew you were coming in, and I was like, what are some things people you know want to ask? And I got a lot of questions back from people. Sure, but that one was one that kept coming up. Like, ask him about the jingle. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll ask him about. The well, jingle. it's like you have to compete with all these other law firms out there. They all have these fancy jingles, and we got to come up with a jingle. So that's the nature of the business. Uh, I'm gonna flash forward a little bit to 2011. Sure. Uh, Ryan Destito uh, resigns to become. Um, the commissioner for great uh, guest services. Yeah. Uh, where were you at this point in time? Where was your head before you first attempted to go out? For so this? at that point, I was working in the law firm. I was on the school board in Utica here for uh, about it was about two and a half years, three years at that mm. point in time, uh, and that's kind of what really sparked my interest into running for the state assembly. Sure. You know, being I had young children, I knew I was going to be sending my kids to Utica schools. They had begun sure. Utica schools, and I ran for school board to try and be more active and involved in the school district. While I was there, I really learned a lot about education funding and learned how Utica schools historically have always been underfunded by the state of New York. Mm-hmm. They rely a lot on state funding because of the property tax base here, cannot, cannot generate enough wealth to, to fund the schools. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, like other poor school districts, sure. comes from the state of New York. Utica's been historically underfunded, lawsuits, yeah. different settlements over the years never really worked out. So at the time when the state assembly seat opened up, I thought, well, if I'm going to do something about this, I'm going to try and I'm going to do it better from the state level than I could at the local level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that I probably, I get called a, a one-trick pony sometimes because that's my number one issue mm-hmm. is education funding mm-hmm. and trying to bring more money into the local schools because that's such an important thing. I mean, everything stems from yeah. education. Uh, as a guy who works in the education field, that makes me very <laughs> exactly. happy Exactly. Um, I want to ask you, uh, I did, as I was doing my research, uh, I did notice that currently in this election cycle, <laughs> you are running unopposed. Yes. So my question is, would you like me to run against you just for kicks? Can just you? For, yeah. Can you do that? No. It might not make my staff uh, happy, but you know, I, I'm very jealous. I've been going to a lot of these campaign events lately for other people running for Congress yeah. and everything, and they're getting all these fun questions. Yes, I'm thinking to myself, I want to be up there asking these questions, yeah, but, yeah. answering <laughs> these uh, questions. But. I can, no, I can do a bad job. I see Caitlin shaking her head over there like, no, but please, I'll do a poor job. Believe me, I will not be much competition. Uh, what's that like, though? Is that, it's got to be a weird thing. Like, How does that even, how does that happen? Is just no one was interested in running against you? It's or? either, you know, I say it's either people think I'm doing a good enough job or no one wants the job. I'm, I hope it's the, the former and people think I'm doing a good job, but um, mm. we've had some good success over the last couple of years. Sure. When, I, when I first got into office, 2011, state was going through a very tough time in terms of deficits. Uh, the local area, people would say to me, why are you running for office right now? Uh, Albany doesn't pay attention to our area. It's corrupt, everything. Um, but we've had a lot of success over the last four years in terms of trying to bring more state attention to our area, whether it's for economic development and nanotechnology or hospital or other things. It's, you know, they talk about the Buffalo billion in money going to Buffalo. Yeah. If you add up on the money that's been uh, sent to our area or coming to our area, it's over a billion dollars. And we really have done a lot. And I think it's because. I've been able to work in, in a bipartisan manner with other local officials, mm. and we have a lot of great mm. people locally now, young entrepreneurs who are taking risks in the city. So it's just like all of all, everything's coming together at the right time, and I'm happy to be a part of that, and I think people want to keep the – I guess if they were to be asked that, that traditional question, right track, wrong track – I think most people say we're on the right track and yeah. want to keep the same players involved. Uh, I'm glad you used that word bipartisan. I'm going to come back to that in <laughs> just right. a second. Uh, I do want to say, uh, for people who don't have an idea of what uh, what your job entails, sure. 119th District is Utica, Rome, Frankfurt, Oriskany, and I'm missing one. Whitestown. Whitestown. Marcy, right. Marcy. And so, Floyd. Yep. For, for the layman's out there, what is the day-to-day 
like job like for you as sure. an assemblyman? Like, what do you? What's your day? Like, wh- where did you? Wait, where did you start today? Basically, absolutely. <laughs> I started at a, a memorial prayer breakfast that they have mm. before election day. Um, but it's, uh, it, there's 150 members of the assembly. Just very briefly. Each one represents about 130,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, the day-to-day thing is really, there's really three parts of the job. January to June, you're, you're mostly in legislative session. The first part of legislative session is working on the budget. Governor comes out with his executive budget, and then it's passed on to the Assembly and the Senate to try and negotiate a, uh, a final budget document, which has to be passed by April 1st. Yeah. The second part of legislative session is passing bills, you know, whatever kind of legislation okay. we might be working on and on a particular time. Uh, our own bills, other bills that we're working on. And then really, uh, when we're not in session, the day-to-day thing is being in the office, constituents call with problems, whether they're having an issue with a state agency, sure. could be a veterans issue, could be a health care issue, you name it, they, they will call our office and our wonderful staff, we have a great staff yeah. that will be there to try and help them. And the one thing that I, I really pride our office on is we're, we're a small office, there's only four of us in the office, so you're going to get very personal attention when you call our office. You're going to deal with me mostly on a lot of these issues, mm-hmm. and I respond to everything, whether it's email or letters or phone calls. If people want to talk to me, they will talk to me, and I'll get them some response to their, their issue. One of the things we talked about with, uh, with Joe last week, actually, and I think it works in the context of the podcast, but as the more and more I talk to people, I think it works in context with everything. Something about the size of this region. Um, right. You know, the city of Utica, just to break it down, just for the sake of the city to make things easier in this context, 60,000 people. It's a pretty good-sized city. Yeah. But it's not so big where if I want to speak to the mayor about something, I can't just call the offices, right? right? There is an accessibility uh, with, the size of, with the size of the population here. Right. Like, yes, you are covering a lot of people, but you have that accessibility, which makes people feel more comfortable, which maybe you don't get on a national government scale. That's what right. local government can offer you, at least what I've felt over the years. You're 100% correct. And I think yeah. it's, it's the same, it's so much on, on the state level, it's, it's, it's the same too. It, it's supposed to be the same. If someone calls the office of an assembly member or a senator, they should be talking to that mm-hmm. person. Uh, if they're not, then there's a problem. I always say, I can go to Albany, pass 100 bills, and come back and to my district and say, hey, I passed 100 bills. No one's going to care. But if I don't call people back when yeah. they have a problem, I'm going to hear about right. it. And that's the quickest way not to be reelected is not getting back to people and responding to their issues. Um, I did a little bit of research. Uh, a lot of former uh, New York State Assembly members have gone on to great positions. Uh, U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer, yeah. uh, Presidents Miller Fillmore, Teddy Roosevelt, Aaron Burr. Uh, I did speak to a professor of mine at Utica College today, uh, Professor Richard Moon. He won't feel bad that I mentioned <laughs> it. Uh, and he wanted me to ask you the same question he said he asked you last year. Okay. When are you going to run for Congress? <laughs> <laughs> how, well, how often have you gotten that question? This past year, I've gotten it a lot, especially after Congressman Hanna retired. I, I got a lot of people calling and asking yeah. if I would run for Congress. But, you know, I, I, I sat down, I thought about it long and hard when that, mm. that topic came up and... Uh, there's a lot of pros of being in Congress. Sure. Obviously, being in D.C., you love politics, you love public service, so you want to be there and try and work on national sure. issues. But the way things are set up these days, you can do a lot more to affect your local community mm-hmm. uh, on the state level than you can on the national level. Wonderful. And that's because there's you know partisanship in Washington. Mm-hmm. And probably the worst part about being in Washington is you know if you look at the schedule of a, a member of mm-hmm. Congress, 60 Minutes and a great piece on this. They got a copy of a member of Congress scheduled. It was like two hours working on legislation, four hours fundraising phone calls, one hour media outreach. And the big part of that, the four hours being on a phone every day while you're in Washington calling people, begging for money to run for office, just didn't seem something that I want to do. Plus, I have a young family, and I would never see them. 
That's that's actually a really great point as well. Yeah. I didn't even think about it from like the the, the non career angle. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Which is I think that's why Biden said he wasn't going to run. He's just tired of the the grind. It's it's after so many years, it just you know it can take a, a toll on you. Uh, it is. Uh, it will be Tuesday, November 8th by the time people first hear this episode. Uh, it is Election Day. Uh, it's also Taco Tuesday. Um, <laughs> I would be a worse journalist than I already am if on today's day I didn't at least ask your general opinions about the way this election has sure. played out. How do you feel about the way things are right now? Uh, I, I think it's it's the worst I've seen it in a long time. And I think people are just very wound up right now. There's a lot of anger on both sides. And I just hope that whatever happens on, on election day, we can somehow get past this because the country is really suffering. Where's the disconnect in here? Because what I've noticed, and I, I've done enough research to know that you know, you've done some work with, with Joe Grippo. Yep. And he's, you know, he's been a Republican for a long sure. time, and it's not like he's going anywhere. He's right. very well popular. It doesn't right. serve you any any benefit to be negative for the sake of negative sake. Right. Why does it not work? Where's the disconnect between the local and national level? Is it just money? It's Is so it? hard. I think that's that's part of it. I, on the local level, to me, when I got in office, it was just natural to reach out to him and try and work together. And I think sure. he feels the same way, hmm. especially with the county executive, mayor, everything. Um, on the national level, it just seems that I think one of the biggest problems on the national level is states have drawn congressional districts in such a partisan way mm. that you have to be hyper liberal or hyper conservative yeah and if you're not you will be challenged by a further uh, extreme member of the party in a primary right. so the the gerrymandering of districts has created uh, a, a situation where you have members of Congress who are incredibly partisan, mm. and when they go back to their districts, that's what their people want. They want hyper-partisans representing them because mm. that's their view. That's their district. So they're sending these people to Washington, and they don't want to work together. Mm. So there's really no room for people in the middle. I, I have a lot of respect for Congressman Hanna. He took positions against his party on a number of issues, and that's what you want. You want people mm. who are going to represent the people, not just the issues that your party is most interested in. And from, from my perspective, at least, uh, it seems like, you know, I registered as a Democrat growing up in high school. I was like 17 and I was in um, like national American national <laughs> government. I was, yeah. And, and, and the reason that I applied to be a Democrat as opposed to independent was very simple. I want to vote in primaries. That's the only reason. Sure. But as you get, as I get older, one of the things I've tried to keep in mind is I'm not above being proven wrong. Right. If someone from the other side, uh, for me, I'm a Democrat, so I can say, you know, yeah. someone from the Republican side gave an argument to me for something that I thought was a real argument. I'd like to think that I'm intelligent enough to say, man, I don't agree with this party in general, but right. I like what this guy has to say. Right. I don't know if the national government has allows for that anymore in a way that local government does seem to. Right. Um, and I'm glad that that contentious doesn't seem to carry its way over. At least that was the next question I was yeah. going to ask you. Have you noticed, like... Any increase in contentiousness in the local level in the last couple of years? Uh, I, I gotta say, for the most part, the Democrats and the Republicans locally work pretty well together. Mm. I, even more so, I think it was probably even worse twenty or thirty years ago, where you mm. had the party structures locally were more powerful, where you had the Democrats doing what the Democrats want to do, Republicans doing what they want to do, and there was more fighting between the two parties. But the the parties aren't as strong as they used to be locally. So you you have candidates who are sure. not beholden to parties, they and they want to work together more. They don't have to really worry about what the parties focused on. They can focus on local issues. 
Uh, some member to see. I know we've talked a lot about uh, politics here today and uh, on this whole podcast. It's been very heavy this week, <laughs> just because of the way things are. So I'd like to get into some non-politics questions okay. with you, if that's all right. Absolutely. This is our lightning round. Uh, these are the same six questions we have been asking people for over 30 weeks now. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to start with the one we always start with. Um, Anthony Brindisi, how do you take your coffee in the morning? Oh, my God. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got to be very strong, and it has to be be very sweet so I'm one of those by the time I'm done with coffee it's not even coffee anymore it tastes more like a milkshake so yes. I usually put some kind of flavored creamer in there yes. Italian right now it's cream. Italian sweet cream or pumpkin right now it's the pumpkin spice so. I guarantee you if you looked in my fridge you would find some Italian sweet cream uh, it's a good one it is a good one, yes. a good one. Okay, we'll tell you. of course um, uh, what was your first automobile my first automobile was a Chevy Blazer which Ooh. I totaled about three weeks into my <laughs> driving yes. experience. That's how you learn. <laughs> of course. And then I didn't have one for a while. <laughs> wow. wow, Blazer, though. I'm trying to remember, like, oh, man. There's, wasn't it? All right, there was the Chevy Trailblazer, and then yeah. there was a GMC one that was the same thing. I think this was the Chevy. I remember it was blue. It was it was a used one that yeah, got yeah, handed yeah. down through the family, and I ended up with it and just was certainly not ready. To, I was one of those guys who wanted – I was a November child, so I came a little bit later. I was one of the last people to get my license and by the time I got my license, a month later after my birthday, I was just not ready yet. And <laughs> yeah. clearly, that's is, uh, reflected in my driving. I've moved past the uh, the statute of limitations on this, but, but I didn't Thank get God. my license until I was, I think about, what's the age that you have to be, you can drive after nine? Is it 18? 18. Yeah. So I didn't get my license until about the middle of my 17-year-old mm-hmm. like year. Just okay. I, I just didn't, yeah. right? And I don't think my parents were aware that that I existed. Your first you remember <laughs> my gold Honda. Yo, yeah, that's right. That gold. You're one of the few people, uh, Chief of Staff, Kayla knows that I had that terrible '87 Honda Accord with the flip-up lights. I had a, I had a, that was my second car, a Honda Prelude with the with the flip-up lights. You know, I thought those were so cool. Until the first winter when they froze oh, in course. the down position right, yeah. and I had to jam yeah. them open. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, so maybe you maybe you did or did not take your first car there, but where did you take it to go see your first concert? Oh my God! Probably my first concert that I actually went to on my own was a Fish concert up in Lake Placid, ah. and it was the stupidest move of my life because. <laughs> I remember yeah. driving to like I didn't have permission to stay overnight yeah. at Lake Placid. So imagine going to a fish concert and then driving home from Lake Placid oh. in the middle of the night after oh. the fish concert. <laughs> not a good not a good move on my part. <laughs> I um uh, I have one fish story I'll give with you. I, I went to go to Bonnaroo a few years back. Okay. Last time I've gone to any real major like concert. I'm I'm I feel too old for it. I don't know if I can survive the days of the anymore. But we went to go see Radiohead. We're big Radiohead guys, okay. me and the people I went with. And on Sunday, Fish was the closer. And I remember I was walking out because I didn't want to see Fish before I left. They were like, you're not going to... like All these people were like, dude, you're not going to stay with Fish. I'm like, no, I have to drive back to New York. You're so responsible. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm leaving now because I want to beat the three hours of traffic. Uh, I don't regret it. Uh, all right. So uh, along the same lines, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Oh, my God. Book, album, television show? Or movie. Or movie. Oh, my God. See, the problem I have is there's so much, there's so little time in my day to do a lot of these things. Oh, yeah. Um, TV shows, I'm in between now because they're not they're off season, but being a political junkie that I am, House of Cards is a big show. Oh, yeah. Homeland's another show I'm watching, but I'm waiting for the new season to come out now. I said earlier, I would have, if, if Larry Underwood 
Or is that, or if I've got, Frank Underwood. Frank, Frank Underwood. Underwood. Larry's from that's a different thing. Uh, if Frank Underwood was running this election, I, I might vote for yes. him. I might actually. Many, many people would. I know he's corrupt. Um, similarly, okay, here. This is our newest question. This is one of my favorites. Okay. Imagine that you are either a professional athlete or a professional wrestler on your way out to the ring or the sporting arena. What is your theme song playing during this moment? Oh my god, it's gonna be some kind of Pearl Jam song. Yes. I, I'm not quite sure yet, but Pearl Jam—that's my all-time favorite band. So it will be some kind of Pearl Jam song. <laughs> you were the—that's uh, was Joe? Didn't Joe Marino's a Pearl Jam guy? He is too, a Pearl right? Jam guy. I want to say we. Had he was to... more of like a Biggie Smalls guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin and I—we uh, both were big Pearl Jam guys growing up, and that's like a band that I reference now to like. Like the kids I work with at the high school, and they just are like. No, well, I have a chief of staff who hasn't seen many any movie pre nineteen ninety eight, so I, it drives me crazy. Except for the weird ones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, finally, uh, Mr. Bridgesy again, again, thank you so much for coming in. Absolutely. Uh, besides uh, your love for politics and Pearl Jam uh, and going to Albany Law School, give me one other thing that you are passionate about. Uh, I, I, I mean, really, this community. I, that's why I ran. You, you talked about Joe Marino, and Joe and I, a long time ago, sat down and said that we want to get involved, and hmm. we took different paths. He went to the council, and I went to the school board, and then the assembly, but I'm very passionate about this community, and I've, I've, I guess it's because I've, I've lived here, and I've seen it go through its worst times, yeah. and I think we're starting to turn the corner, and I think we have a lot of good people in place uh, from the business community, uh, local artists, entrepreneurs, and people in government that are all really kind of rowing in the same direction. So I want to keep that going because I want this area to really thrive. Mm. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on. Um, people can follow you on Twitter at abrandissy119. Where else can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out? They can out? get me on Facebook. They can get me on Instagram. They can call our office, 732-1055. They can email. That's one thing that I think my staff will tell you, that I'm, I'm, connect I'm very well connected, <laughs> yeah. and there's lots right. of ways to get a hold really of me. Well, listen, we, we again, I appreciate you taking time off during this election season to come talk Absolutely. to us. It's been a real pleasure to have yes. you on. Uh, and again, just we appreciate you doing good stuff for the city. Thank you. I appreciate uh, what you guys are doing. Uh, we, we do it because we have to. It's not because we want to. This is a, it's a need. It's yeah, it a is necessity. a need. It is a need. Uh, Caitlin, thank you for hooking us up, by the way. It's so weird calling you the chief of staff. <laughs> I know. Sam and I went to high school together. Oh, my God. I can't even tell you. I, I could tell you, but I won't. I'll wait till the mics are off. We'll talk about it some other She'll time. be on a future episode. <laughs> and we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Once again, to Anthony uh, Brindisi, Assemblyman Brindisi. I had to ask him, I was like, can I call you Anthony? I don't know what the proper title is. It's not like... It seems he's a pretty chill guy. He's a very he chill guy. let's use that first name. Um, also, shout out to uh, his chief of staff. Yeah. Good, good friend of the life, Katie Calagero. Yo, how about it? I've known Katie since I was in kindergarten. Small world. It is. You know, he's the second uh, politician we've had on the show in two weeks who loves Pearl Jam. It's true. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know if there's some correlation. If you want to be a politician... Go out and buy a copy of 10. Or Versus, if versus, you're a smart Pearl Jam fan. Versus instead of 10, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I have one last political news story here, and it's this week's Yesterday's History Today. Hey, hey, hey. 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 All right. <laughs> <laughs> On this day, uh, actually, it is Today's History Today, because uh, we couldn't, the one for Monday was crap. 
And since today is the election, it made sense. On this day, 152 years ago, November 8th, uh, President Abraham Lincoln uh, was reelected for his second term in office uh, during the time of his second, uh, the second uh during that, during the time of his re-election, we were four years Capital into... Capital P, professional journalism. We were four years into the Civil War. Uh, five months after his election, we were out of the war. Five and a half months after the election, on April 15th, he was killed at Ford's Theater by, uh, by John Wilkes Booth. So this was uh, the start of the most tumultuous time for Lincoln's there's, career here, right? There is a part of me that thinks that you chose that entire fact just as a reason to get John Wilkes Booth's name on this show. <laughs> I want you to know as one of your long-standing friends, I think that's what happened here. No, I just think... It, I, the, here's the thing. I, look, I don't, purport, I don't purport that John Wilkes Booth is like... I do find it fascinating, the story of John Wilkes Booth, mm-hmm. but I also think that the way that that timeline works out is incredibly fascinating. Mm-hmm. He... He gets reelected. Uh, within five months, he ends the war, and then tries to bring the South back. And the North gets upset by how easy it is. And at the same time, John Wilkes Booth is just this failed actor. He's the today's equivalent of like who's the worst Baldwin? Steve. He's like Stephen Baldwin. Like the Booths were. Who's okay. actually a huge Trump supporter? Uh, it's ironic, huge vocal Trump See? supporter. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't mean it to be that way. Him and Chachi. Uh, <laughs> but you're talking about less than a f- six month period that defined how our country went going forward. And it all is based on this one moment where an actor, a disgruntled actor in a theater shot the president of our country, went on the lam for 12 days, got hunted down, and then the whole country changed. I just always thought that was a a fascinating, fascinating part of our country's history. And I like the fact that it's all condensed in such a short period of time. I don't know. That's So there you go. Yes. I did want to get John Wilkes Booth. I know on you did. Show. I know there you is. did. There it is. Um, now, if you ever, if you guys are interested, read the book. It's called Manhunt: Twelve Days, uh, Twelve Day Search for Lincoln's Killer by James Swanson. It's How a good many times book. have you read it? Twice. It's it's a good read. That's it's awesome. a good read. Although some academic scholars will tell you that it's a little bit uh, done up for entertainment. I found out after. To which I say, if you get the people paying attention, sometimes that's the thing you have to do. You mm. stretch it and twist a little bit to make people more interested in it. I'd rather have them reading a slightly doctored version. Than not reading mm. the most 110 percent accurate version out there. Is Abe Lincoln the consensus best president? Uh, depends who you ask. I think he's got to be up there, isn't he? I feel like he's a he's a Mount Rushmore president. He's an easy yeah. one. Yeah. It's like I can't think of someone who would be a, you know, unless you have a real hard case for Taft. You know, be a big Taft guy. Uh, big James K. Polk. Some people can say Washington. <laughs> you could start yeah. talking about Jefferson. Um, Teddy? What about Big Teddy? Big Teddy. <laughs> Big Teddy has my heart. He does uh, have Teddy my Roosevelt heart. has my heart. Teddy Roosevelt's the most compelling human being to ever be the president, for sure. Oh, yeah. You should definitely read about him if you like to read about historical figures. Um, you could make an argument that FDR did a great job. Mm, FDR. I mean, FDR pulled us through the Great Depression, World War II. He's the reason we have term limits now because the people would not vote him out. Mm, that's he served a fair like point. three and a half terms, I think, and the only thing that did, he got killed by polio, but like. They might have never gotten him out. He saw us through a lot of things, and, you know, it was circumstantial, of course, a lot of it, but maybe FDR. I feel like president is very low on the list of jobs I would ever want to have. Like, if you, you know, like, sometimes you're a kid, you're like, I want to be an astronaut, I want to be this. Like, in general, I don't know if I would want to be president if you gave me 100 jobs that you I'm not interested in that level of scrutiny. No. Not at all. 
at least not for something that I don't feel like I could do. Like if I was a musician, you get scrutiny for being a musician, but I feel comfortable being a musician. I would not feel comfortable making decisions that no matter what decision you make, you're going to be scrutinized, mm -hmm. right? Like you do something for somebody, someone else is pissed. Like, no, thank you. I'm not really into that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I would say though, like it would be, it would be tight to be called Mr. President. Right, like. Well, you could just change your last name to President. <laughs> Mr. President. That's you a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> Sam President. It's so much easier. Hey, listen, if you make a persuasive enough case, you can get people to call you pretty much anything you want. That's a fair point. Handbone. That was one I was like, oh, uh, <laughs> guys, I do have a, a non-political stuff we can talk about though, and this is one of my favorite stories I've heard in a long time. Do you guys you you guys ever use Facebook Live? Have I personally? Yeah, you a Facebook Live person? I've no. never casted, but I've watched. Yeah. What inherently do you think was like a good a good use of Facebook Live? Like think what are a couple ways that you could best utilize Facebook Live for um, NASA did something with Facebook Live and Ooh. they were like shooting off. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. Like out in space. Yeah. Word. But then okay. you had to like watch and wait for like three hours. But it was still wicked cool and it was worth the sure. wait. But that's about it though. Sure. Kevin, anything on this? I'm into yeah, anything. I mean, anything where you can live stream or get a level of access that you can't get otherwise. I like the yeah. I like mediums of technology to direct access to people and things. Mm -hmm. um, so anything that you feel like the world needs to see, I think, is a great use. Uh, but even like coming down to stuff that's not like super important worldwide events, mm -hmm. like. I think we do a pretty good job at Maine Utica of all of our live stream work that we've done and stuff like sure. that. Sure. It's just an interesting yeah. way to instantly communicate with people without cutting mm -hmm. out the middleman of having to produce and edit and mm -hmm. make video. Uh, for the sake of argument, when I was uh, watching the World Series, uh, you can go on yeah, like you can great. go on Periscope yeah, and watch people periscoping live from Wrigley Field. Like, yeah. oh my God, I'm here in this moment. It's an interesting way to yeah. see things. I'm going to give you another interesting way that this young gentleman from Tulsa, Oklahoma, utilized his Facebook Live. 25-year-old, uh -oh. uh, let's call him JP because I don't want to give him any name cred. Uh, in Tulsa, no. Oh. Uh, he stole a police car. <gasps> took, I saw that. Took a police oh officer. Took the police officer's iPad and streamed the theft on Facebook Live. He was mad sneaky too. It was actually kind of impressive. It's kind of a. I I don't support stealing from the oh, police no. certainly, but it's kind of a baller move, right? It's quite a show. Like that's yeah no that's amazing I support it 100 percent let me so tell you awesome. why I am a I'm a big fan of mayhem and chaos like to a certain level yeah like I don't want him going out there and running people down with this car but like if you're just gonna steal it and drive it I like mischief <laughs> I'm, I'm a big mischief guy yeah I, I like mischief. This uh, this sort of borders on not mischief though. From if you follow like the rest of the story, he was blazing through the streets at like crazy speeds. Did like, he have his lights on? I his cop lights. Yeah. I don't know. I'd I'd have to do some detailed research. If he has the like. lights on. The civilians should still get out of the way. They don't know this. You know, Tony from the local fraternity is riding around in the cop car. That's fair enough. JP from Tulsa. Now, I'm trying to think of the best thing that I could live stream, like the best crime, I guess, like... Uh, Wait, why you, you wouldn't live stream your crime? You well, that's what this guy did. Best crime to live stream? Well, this guy's live streaming theft, right? Mm. I guess, like, if you were a... If you were like Bane and you were just robbing some banks or something, that'd be pretty tough. There's an official uh, crime I only know because I know that Rick James got charged with it back when he was really committing a lot of crimes in the 80s. Uh, aggravated mayhem. Aggravated mayhem. 
I don't know what you would have to do to get charged with aggravated Hang mayhem. on. Hang on. Well, there was that girl on Snapchat a while ago, and she got arrested for drunk driving because she videotaped yeah. herself drunk driving. Oh, yeah. Well, That's already seeing, happened. You're a, seeing a lot, lot of people doing stuff like that, like getting charged for stuff they do on Snapchat in the moment. Yeah. But What's this? stupid. You can't Snapchat, like, you, but you can't take a selfie with, like, your ballot. Doesn't that de, like, isn't that illegal? There, well? I think they're actually, they're in the middle of legislating the hell out of that. There's a lot of... Uh, Come next election cycle, there will be a definitive answer for that. Because right now, that's something that's just sort of popping up this like election. A lot of people have, and now so now people are starting to like, wait. Should this be allowed? Is this allowed? So there's a national discussion going on on that, like as we speak. Are you ready? You ready for this? Yeah. This is from the Maine Legislature's Revised Statutes of Session Law. Maine. Yeah, Maine. Uh, aggravated criminal mischief. A person is guilty of aggravated criminal mischief if that person intentionally, knowingly, or recklessly damages or destroys property of another in any amount exceeding two thousand dollars in value, having no reasonable ground to believe that the person had the right to do so. Aggravated criminal mischief. So there you go. I mean, like, um, don't... It, and if you're not destroying property, like, you took that cop car for a joyride with and gave it back and nothing happened, I get, like... Intellectually, I know that, like, you should get in trouble for all this. And yeah. Like, as somebody who's just reading the news over coffee in the morning, I'm like, yeah, I think I get a chuckle. Um, I would say, you know, it's a, here's a tough crime, just loitering. I'm just going to go in front of a no loitering sign and Facebook Live me loitering out in front of it. Like That's come, the best way to do it. you see, get that over. I think get yeah, that over. Loitering, so you could. yeah. All right, um, guys. I want to share something very personal with you this week. Gross. Um, yeah, yeah. Ugh. So growing up, <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> it's not like we're talking about venison sandwiches and we're making audible grunts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, play. A lot of people enjoyed your audible rash from that. Right. Audible gross. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, one thing, you, Kev, you definitely know this about me. Mara, you may not know this about me. Growing up, I was a big musical theater guy. I did mm. musical theater in middle school. I did it in high school. Uh, I pursued music in different forms after that, uh, whether with Kevin bands or, you know, in New York City and I'd sing and all that kind of thing. I sang at weddings. Uh, so I always had a soft spot in my heart for musical theater. I always missed it after I stopped doing it. Lo and behold, I'm in a situation now where I work in a high school and I had to go see the cats. school's drama club performance. Was it Cats? It was not Cats. Dang. It was a play called Jolly Roger and the Pirate Queen. Ooh, Ooh. that sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I have to say... So it's... you are a bad liar, for the record? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, no. no. <laughs> I have to say, it, and it was it was weird. It, I don't know if there's listeners out there who've had this happen to them or if you guys can relate, but it sucks as you get older and you have... True. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but you, True. You have hobbies that meant stuff to you growing up that you have to kick to the curb as time goes on, yeah. right? Uh, I kicked musical theater because I wanted to play in original bands. Like, we were playing in, like, punk bands and stuff, and mm-hmm. it was at that point in time that I felt like I'd moved on. But I always, like, hold this torch a little bit for this, like, passion of mine that I wish I had pursued a little bit more in a different world. Yeah. What about for you guys? You got anything that you've given up over the years in terms yes. of, like, of, yeah, oh, here you go. You seem like you already know. Hey, I was a dancer for most of my life. Okay. I started when I was, like, two years old. What kind of dancer? Tap, ballet, jazz, lyrical, modern. Which of those is your favorite? Tap. Tap. Mm. Can you still tap? Hell yeah. Oh, that never we are goes firing away. up the main Utica video machine. <laughs> oh, man. We're for sure getting some tap dancing. Get, stand on the away. table and tap right now for the listeners in the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Revolutionary. <laughs> Kevin, what about you, sir? Oh, man. Um, 
I sometimes I think that it's more people than it is just a specific hobby. Mm. Sometimes life pulls you away from people and groups of people just because that's the way that it goes. Mm. And I think you miss some of those people in those times more than anything. But at this point, I would really have to kind of say as I get older, the music. Like we talk about being in a band. Yeah. I miss 40 hours a week of rehearsal. Yep. I miss playing yeah. every single day with people. I miss working on new songs all the time. You know what I mean? Like that's, mm. and that's had to go by the wayside. And you continue to do it. It can't be like it was then. I've got bills to pay now. You know what I mean? Um, I've had, I care about paying my bills now, I think is the difference. I've had a lot of these weird parenting moments with the kids I work with. Um, and if you have kids out there, it's one of those things you always hear. It's like, if you're a parent, right, uh, and your kid has an Oreo and he drops the Oreo on the floor, you have to tell that kid, hey, don't don't pick that up. You eat that in the floor. Th- throw that away. When in reality, <laughs> as he, an adult, you're like, nah, I'd eat that. You just have to like get the rules and like regulations in the kid's head to understand, right? Uh, I'm learning so much. I would totally <laughs> tell the kid, eat it, it's good for your immune system. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. My, Fair. Your, uh, mo- your mother's a little bit worked up. Don't listen to her eat the Oreo. You're good at that. <laughs> Fair. Uh, you know, I work in a job where I deal with a lot of kids who are going to college and are confused about their, like what they want to do with their lives. And I sometimes feel like I can't tell them, you know, like, well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just played in a band and let it I'm go by. I'm still figuring it out. You know what I mean? like, yeah. Um, right. But it makes me sad that I know some of these kids are going to give up things that they love because mm-hmm. they feel like they need to for the, like, the rest of their lives. And it just, it's, I don't know. It's tough. I watched David Blaine last night. <laughs> oh, David Blaine, the, the, yeah, the, the magician? magician? Yeah. And he was talking about, like, how his mom, like, all the time, like, anytime he did, even if it was, like, the dumbest magic trick, she was like, that is so awesome. I'm so excited yeah. for you. And he was, like, even a baby. So, well, not like a baby. Babies don't do magic tricks. But <laughs> yeah, um, magic babies. just, like, I wish there was more parenting like that. Mm. And I wish it was more pushed in schools, too, because now all kids care about is testing. Mm. That's it. Well, there's there's a legitimate argument, and if you if, you, if for listeners out there who actually want to go look this up, go to like TedTalks.com, look up Sir Ken Robinson, who did a wonderful TED Talk years back about how about whether or not schools are killing creativity yeah. because of the way that testing in schools works and the way that it's regulated by the state and like this and this and that. Um, kids don't have time to focus on creativity or arts in the way that they once did because it's so important to pass like a regents, mm-hmm. right? I got to pass that regents. I got to pass that chemistry regents, even though I'm a history guy and I want to be a musician, but I don't, if I don't know how to do that chemistry regents, I can't get a high school diploma. Right. Right. Like there's something about that that seems inherently unfair to creative kids who don't get the outlet that they once may have been able to. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, mm. having known a lot of creative people growing up too, like it's one of those things where sometimes certain people with a certain brain type, they, they're not gonna, they just they function a different way. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a yeah, yeah. far as pointing yourself and like you're yeah. amongst friends here yeah. really as far as that goes because mm. you know you know all the creative people we've known throughout the years and everything and there's a really good quote. I think it's I want to say it's I think it's a quote that's attributed to Albert Einstein on Facebook all the time, but it's like not actually him. One of those, but they're basically talking about like if you judged a fish's intelligence by its ability to climb trees, of course that fish is going to seem dumb. And it's talking about you know intelligence manifests itself in people in so many different ways, and with everything being so standardized, uh, you know, and everybody's having to teaching to the test yeah. and just having to pass a test, like you're really extinguishing the hell out of a lot of great minds with the system the way that it is right now. Kids don't get enough encouragement. Mm. Uh, And and as a guy who sees it from from the other side of it sometimes, Mm -hmm. I think the way thing... The reason that things are the way they are now is pushback from... So, I I don't want to go too long on this, but 
Back in the day. It's election day special. It's election just day flow. special. Just flow. Back, Get loose. Back in the older education system that my parents grew up in, that my mom and stepdad and all them who taught in that era grew up in, it was basically, all right, for your grade, you need to get your kids from point A to point B. And you can zoom off in a million different ways to get there. You can take an algorithm. You can go a straight line. You can go up and down, blah, 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 blah. As long as you get the kids from point A to point B, it doesn't necessarily matter right. how you do it. The problem, and this method seems like it would work just fine, right? It allows teachers to be creative. It allows them to come up with their own lessons and, mm-hmm. and teach things in a way that relates to the kids. The problem is that over a period of years where there wasn't a lot of checks and balances on this, more often than not, a lot of kids weren't getting from point A to point B. They were just shooting off from point A to wherever that professor was teaching. And when it came back to the testing, well, I didn't teach the kids poetry because I think poetry is irrelevant. So I taught them like essay writing. Well, that's not what's, you know what I mean? So then when the Common Core dropped down, it was almost a reaction to that. Like now a Common Core teaching lesson gives you a legitimate blueprint with things to do and things to say. It almost takes the, the job away from you to a certain mm-hmm. extent, right? I think that... Um, go ahead, dude. No, no, and, the only, and, the only, and, I, and, and that now looks like it's not working because you have a lot of... Because it doesn't matter what the teachers say. If the teachers complain, it doesn't matter. If the school board complains, it doesn't matter. When the parents take their kids and say, we're not having them take testing, which is what happened over the last few years. Like, we're not, like, we're not going to let our kids take standardized tests. Mm-hmm. That's when... The people in charge say, wait a minute, we got to rethink this. Yeah, yeah. So I do think that going forward, you'll see it actually land somewhere in the middle going forward. I think Common Core was mostly a reaction. I think so. that, that initial part that you were saying when you were talking about how uh, a lot of people are, you know, when teachers could go do whatever they want to get from point A to point B. Yeah. But like the idea that some teachers aren't doing it or this idea that we have to so aggressively evaluate the teachers because we need a metric to measure their performance yeah. by. I don't think that's true. I think it's a false narrative mm-hmm. that's being pushed from an agenda that would love to see teachers and teachers' unions specifically gutted and have less power yeah, well. and see education move towards something more, more privatized. And I think teachers get a bad rap for that. I think teachers in our society don't get enough credit at all. Mm. They don't get enough respect. They don't get enough appreciation. They don't get enough money. And it's a shame because teacher is really is one of the most important jobs you can have mm. America. Well said. Vote. Vote. Go out there and vote, America. Um, follow Mara on Twitter at Mara Olivia with two A's. Uh, follow Kevin, but only if you vote. Fight me about politics on Twitter. <laughs> at underscore Kevin I Sullivan. will respond sometime in the next month if you tweet me this week. <laughs> follow, follow me at SF Doom. Uh, follow the show at Uticast. Send us an email at Uticast at gmail.com. Listen to the show at Uticast.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, 315 Live. And always and forever remember... We love you guys. Oh, I do. We do. Yes. Yes. Go out there and vote. Go vote, Utica. <laughs> yeah, just write in Utica. I vote in the blank space. Utica. That's who I'm voting for for this presidential election. I'm going to put no puppet on my ballot. Just no puppet. No, <laughs> no puppets. puppets. No puppets.